We want to talk about the tax scheme which has been announced for the small, medium and enterprises, the SMEs. How significant is that? Well, about $3 billion um, is a lot of money because it will come through very quickly. It's designed so that businesses who have paid tax in previous years can effectively um, claw that money back by saying, we're going to make losses next year, can I have a refund early? So that's $3 billion extra in the hand, and that's on top of the $9 billion in wage subsidies that have come through, mostly to uh, smaller businesses and enterprises. So that's, um, that's good news for most of those small to medium enterprises. Unfortunately, it doesn't really replace the revenues they've lost or deal with the other costs that they still have, including rent. And that's the biggest problem for many people in business right now is their inability to either renegotiate or lower the amount of rent they're paying to their landlord. There was the announcement around commercial rent. Does it go far enough? Unfortunately not. And we're hearing today from various people in the business community that uh, the government's solution, which was to give landlords and tenants more time to negotiate, isn't really solving the problem. Now, the government would say that it can't change the Property Act and uh, that this is something that tenants and landlords need to work out together. But it's clear there are quite a few landlords who are pushing to the extreme to argue that they shouldn't have to uh, take any of the burden and that uh, tenants should pay the complete and normal sum, even though many simply cannot trade and cannot get into their businesses. There are some people who have a clause 27.5 in their contract, which allows them to uh, reduce the amount of uh, rent they are paying their commercial landlord if they are unable, because of a government edict, to get into their building. This was set up in the wake of the Christchurch earthquake, but not a lot of the contracts use this particular clause. And essentially, the uh, problem relies on the goodwill and the um, long-term view of landlords saying, if I drive my tenant out of business, then that's going to hurt me in the long run. And we heard from the Prime Minister today saying that uh, landlords needed to be good humans, and I can see why the government is saying that. The question, though, is uh, who takes the pain of this hit to the economy? And at various points along the payments chain, various people have taken various hits. So uh, if you own a business, yes, you'll get some wage subsidies for the wages of your employees, but that's not going to pay for your power or your rent or your um, telecommunications bill or whatever other bills you've got. And if you can't reduce those bills, and many of those can't be without literally shutting down the business, then that's a real problem. And uh, in other countries, there has been more support from government for these other non-wage costs. And that will be a that will be an issue that many people in business will be pushing the government for now, more support for these non-wage costs. With that wage, wage subsidy scheme, let's talk about the impact of that on the ground with workers. Is it enough? The wage subsidy does help a lot of um, smaller businesses, but again, without support on rents and power and telecommunications and other costs, particularly if they're running a business where they have high fixed costs and they've got no revenue coming in, then um, unless they've got massive 
uh, backloads of cash which they can draw down on, then they're in real trouble. And a lot of businesses these days um, uh, run just-in-time businesses. They don't have a lot of cash on hand. Uh, a lot of people in the past would have seen a lot of cash sitting there as a lazy balance sheet. Well, it turns out a lazy balance sheet is very useful when you have a shock like this. However, uh, for a lot of businesses, that will prove problematic and why there's such intense pressure to come out of the lockdown as fast as possible. Will the tax scheme, will the tax scheme, uh, particularly for the SMEs, will that perhaps provide some relief when it comes to their non-waged fixed costs like the rent and the insurance and the interest? No help whatsoever. Um, and it, it will mean they get some cash flow in the door quickly because obviously they're going to make losses and instead of waiting for a year and a half for the tax refund, they're going to get that money now. But remember, um, $3 billion is... Uh, just on 1% of GDP. And some of the forecasts are for much more significant falls in GDP. And uh, that is right now falling on uh, shareholders, so the investors in a particular property. They're seeing the value of their assets written down or written off. They are, um, in some cases, if they have debt, being put into receivership by banks. And banks are also having to make difficult calls about whether or not to tip businesses over and try and make as much money back from the sale of assets as they can or squeeze tight, hold tight and hope that in a couple of months things stabilise and that businesses will be able to repay the um, capital and interest that um, they haven't been able to pay over the lockdown period and afterwards. There's also a problem too that um, depending on who you talk to, anywhere from a quarter to a third of small businesses, particularly in hospitality, will not restart. And therefore, um, they will default on their debts. They, they will not be able to pay their bills and they will have creditors who will themselves be in trouble even if most of their customers are back up and operating. So this is a shock which the government has done a lot to um, offset, particularly through the wage subsidies, but if you look at uh, how much the government has spent, it's upwards of 8 9% of GDP, and governments in other countries, albeit ones that have been more badly hit in a public health po- uh, uh, point of view, and sometimes will have had longer lockdowns, their um, compensation or their government spending has been a higher amount of GDP. It's upwards 10 15%. We're not quite there yet. To be fair to the government, they're likely to come up with yet more um, spending and income support over the next two to three weeks ahead of the budget. But the pressure is really now on the government to do more to help these small businesses who have had some support from the wage subsidy but need more if they're going to be able to keep their business up and running long enough to recover once the lockdown finishes. For those that can't recover, and you mentioned the businesses that may not even be able to restart after all of this, and of course that will add to the unemployment rate, what's your reaction to the seven scenarios that Treasury released yesterday? Those scenarios are a useful way to look at the problem, to understand which variables could change and how that will change the outcome for the government and the economy. So the the most likely one, as I saw it, and it looked like how the government saw it, was the scenario one, uh, which would see, without government intervention, an increase in unemployment to over 10%. 
but with government intervention, um, keeping unemployment down to around 8.5%. Now, that involves an, e an extra $20 billion uh, on top of the $20 billion that's already been spent. And the question is, is that enough? And uh, if we have only the scenario one, which is a four-week uh, level four lockdown uh, plus um, a slump in global growth, uh, then that's the best case scenario and that would still see unemployment rise to 8.5%. The bigger risk, though, is that the hit overseas is much more than the um, 3 to 5% reduction in GDP that um, most people are talking about. And that is a real risk as these lockdowns go on for longer and the hit to global trade is more aggressive. And then um, you've also got the, the unknown second round effects of this shock, which the IMF last night described as the biggest economic downturn we will have seen since the Great Depression. So this is an enormous hit to the global economy in an extremely short period of time. Got to remember that GDP in New Zealand is likely to fall as much in a period of about a month as it did during four to five years of the Great Depression uh, in 1929 to 1935 or so. And um, that caused all sorts of grief. To be fair, back then there wasn't the same concerted central bank and government intervention and spending to try and offset the, the hit, and that's certainly the case around the world. But um, still, it's, it's not going to be enough to uh, dampen the damage and um, get us back to somewhere like where we were in mid-February. Bernard, for, for someone who's been reporting on our economy for a long time and you've seen so many things um, during your, the span of your career, what's gone through your mind over the past month as, the, as you've seen all these events unfold? Um, yeah, um, so I've been covering financial markets and economies for 30 years through Wellington, Canberra, Sydney, London, Singapore. I've covered the Asia crisis, the SARS crisis, the GFC, the dot-com bubble and boom, uh, and all sorts of bits and pieces in between. I've never seen anything as enormous and intense and shocking is what we've seen in the last six weeks in the global economy. The way that it has hit everyone immediately in a completely dramatic way is like no other financial crisis. If you look back to the 07, 08, 09 global financial crisis, that literally took three years to sort of rumble through the global financial system. If you look at the uh, um, dot-com bubble and, and bust in 1999-2000, that took two years. This has taken three or four weeks, and you've seen you know, the sorts of um, reduction in spending that uh, would normally take you know, four or five years and roll out across the globe um, in, a, in a sort of ripply way. This has been like an asteroid just hit the global economy. Even though we knew something like this would come at some point, um, there's all sorts of coronavirus pandemic plans that have been out there ready and waiting, and various economists have been saying this is what would, would happen if we went to strict 
social isolation, but no one quite saw the combination of almost immediate and synchronised lockdowns in the world's largest economies and the complete cessation of international travel. That is, um, that's like nothing I've ever seen. And we now will spend the rest of our working lives dealing with the fallout from it and hopefully building a, a better country because of it. How hopeful are you in New Zealand's ability to be able to recover well from this? Uh, very hopeful because New Zealand is, has moved hard and fast to uh, reduce the public health disaster, unlike some other countries. Um, some tough decisions were made three or four weeks ago at a time when most people didn't think we could go so hard and fast or should go so hard and fast, and um, that has put us in a great position. We also have some geographic and historical advantages, which few others had, around our big moat, the Trans-Tasman uh, Sea, and the inability for people to just jump on a dinghy and come here or walk across a border, uh, and also our ability as a, as a government, as a nation, to do things very quickly because we don't have the sorts of cost constitutional checks and balances or complexity in our governmental systems that you see in the likes of Australia or America or Europe, where you have multiple forms of government, different politicians, competing interests, and, and, a, and a, a very fractured and disjointed response. Whereas here, one person essentially decided that the right thing to do was to go hard and early with a almost complete lockdown, a very strict one, and to close our borders in a relatively short period of time. Really, it only took a week. And that could be done because we don't have an upper house of parliament. We don't have a constitution. Our local government has no real power. And so this was decided by the prime minister and her closest advisors, really the people in her bubble in the space of four or five days. And that allowed New Zealand to very quickly react. And because of our geography and our history, we're in a better position than just about anyone else to deal with the public health crisis. And you could argue um, if we are as self-sufficient in many of the things we need to be, including food production and energy production, then um, we're in a, a better position than just about anywhere else to deal with it. Uh, however, um, when you cut yourself off from the rest of the world and... Uh, when you wipe out an entire way of doing business, which for us was about um, hospitality, non-socially isolated businesses, tourism, and also using cheap foreign labour to do a lot of work, that is over. And now we have to find new ways to uh, do what we want to do and live satisfying lives and strong communities, in many ways it may force us to um, rebuild those communities and those connections. And it may also reduce some of the inequalities that have built up over the last two to three decades, particularly around asset prices. And I'm talking here mostly about property prices. And that is, um, that's going to be painful for a lot of people. And we have to make sure that in the resulting fallout that we don't leave behind a generation in the same way that we left behind a generation in the late 80s and early 90s and punished them, actually, by cutting benefits and stopping house building and the likes. If we're lucky, 
will uh, try to um, fix those errors and do better, particularly around housing affordability and climate change and the way that our cities are built and use this um, shock treatment as a, a trigger to make our society healthier and stronger and um, more enjoyable and, and with better well-being for more people. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we've made a good start, but there's an awful lot of work to do and a lot of consequences in second and third round effects that we're not aware of yet and, and it's pretty hard to plan and that um, we'll need a lot of foresight and uh, shared decision-making and shared pain to get there. And that's never easy.